This is why we have the best fans in the world. in Harry Styles podcast. I'm Caitlin and I'm Kara and this is our 103rd episode of Talk Direction and we're recording this intro after we're just doing the intro and the ending today because we've had a super exciting episode that we had a special guest on and we're very excited for you to hear it and yeah so Kara what what when did this all start, I guess? What happened? How did this all happen? Because this is a first for us. Um, so, um, someone who works with Zan, I'm not sure exactly how they're connected. Maybe her agent, maybe her, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so a friend of, um, author Zan Romanoff, who we have on today, who you'd know by the title, um, reached out to us, I think in May, um, and said, um, there's this book Zan has just written, and I'd love to, like, send you both a copy to read it, um, and if you want to have her on the show, that'd be cool, but, like, if you don't, that's cool, too. I just want you to have a copy of the book, because it's so relevant to our interests. It's very fandom-related. It's, like, heavily based off of, um, like, 1D and, um, yeah, I mean, you'll you'll hear the synopsis of the book and be like, oh, yeah, like, that's that's <laughs> so up your alley. Um, and we got to talk to Zan about fandom and feminism and fangirl culture and One Direction and how she's a Louis stan, and it's, it was just a great, great time. It was just like, I don't know, like, within, like, a few moments, I was like, yeah, she's, she's really chill. She has such a, like, cool presence, and, like, she's so articulate, and I'm just like, wow, just please talk to me about like fandom culture forever and like that's what her book is so it's like yeah yeah it's awesome it was so great getting to talk to her because like you know you always read books and you can never ask the author any questions and we literally got to sit down with the author of a book that we both really enjoyed and yeah, ask her like questions genuinely. about the book and someone who's into One Direction like super into One Direction yeah so that was really really exciting it was so and fun y'all it was just such a cool opportunity to do stuff like that. And it just, like, shows you, like, where this podcast, like, started two years ago. Oh, my God. We're going to yeah. have, like, our... Wait, isn't tomorrow Wait. the first day we posted? I think it Twitter? might be. Yeah. No, well, yeah. okay. So, yeah, because I know it was um, July, early July. Let me check my time yeah. pop. Whoa. Yo, that would be crazy. Like, almost to the day. Yeah, that's so weird. But like two years go by and like this is the incredible opportunity we get we get to have. And so we just want to thank our listeners. Yeah, and thank, thank you guys. Zan and Katie and everyone. They were so sweet and lovely corresponding with them. Um, so we're excited for you guys to hear that today. We highly recommend the book. It's called Grace and the Fever, and I know Zan gives a synopsis at the beginning of our interview, but just to sort of like preface it a little bit, it is about fa- a-, a girl who's in a fandom for this band called Fever Dream, which reflects like the One Direction fandom, and she ends up meeting one of the members and goes on this sort of like exciting fan, like fantasy journey thing, and um, there's... 
just a lot of relatable moments where you're like, I totally know, like, what that's like. I totally have been in that position before. Just, like, you can find yourself in the characters in one way or another. And Mm -hmm. um, it was just, it was a really good read. Um, If you've ever been a fan... And, like, if you're listening to this podcast in any capacity, if you've ever been part of fandom, you like it. And I think that, like, I don't know, like, you might be hesitant, like, oh, like, is it one of those books that, like, um, it's just, like, a self-insert, like, like, romance type of thing. But it's, like, it uses that as a vehicle to explore so many other issues, Mm -hmm. like, and it's so much it has so many more layers and just like, oh, a girl meets her like favorite boy vendor and like, it's just so interesting and like, yeah. it just shows like how there's so many layers to each person and like, we don't really know each other um, and, oh God, and fame and it's just, man, like y'all yeah. all love it. I promise yeah. you. All the things that we like to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, in like a book. novel form. Yeah. So definitely go check that out, Grace and the Fever by Zan Romanoff. Um, and she's written another book before, and she has um, a Tumblr, which is, I think, what is it? Zanopticon. Zanopticon. I think that's her um, username all across. Yeah, and she's on Twitter, and you can find her in a lot of places. Um, but yeah, definitely go check that out. And she's currently doing this thing called, what is it, One Band, One? One Week, something? One Band, I think. Yeah, One Week, wow, One Band. Wow, we're so good. It's on her Twitter. About- yeah, she's talking about, like, Harry's album and stuff, so um, she writes about um, exactly what we talk about, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we also wanted to tell everyone that we're doing an advice episode um, coming up soon for June, because, as you know, we hit our $100 goal on Patreon a while back, so that means we're doing bonus episodes every single month. And we need one for June, and we thought we would do an advice episode and an advice slash answer your question episode. Um, so send us in any advice questions you have for us. In the past, we've talked about um, you know getting through school, crushes, uh, body image, um, figuring out what you want to do with your your life, mental like, health, relationships, mental health, friendships, yeah, all that type of stuff. We really really love talking about that. Um, so send us in that type of stuff and any other questions you have for us, maybe about ourselves or our lives or whatever. Um, I know I'm think I'm going to, some of the questions we got from our last, um, talk direction down low were a lot of Harry Potter related questions and I think we'll stick them in that advice episode because I, Martha sent us some really great questions that I want to answer. Um, so just send us in questions and so we can put an advice episode together and get it out to you guys um and you can do that wherever you want to like you can do it on like the comments of the instagram post you can like dm us on instagram or twitter or you can do it like through um talk direction at gmail.com or on our tumblr you can do it anonymously which is just um talk direction uh dot tumblr.com that's what it is right i like completely i just forgot how tumblr worked whoa talkdirection.tumblr.com yeah I've been on tumblr recently I haven't been on in a while I guess like I don't go on that much and then I'm like when I go on I'm like I should totally go on more often like I really enjoy tumblr yeah um but definitely send us your questions so that can get rolling Mm -hmm. um also send us ideas for videos because I think I'm going to be seeing Kara again sometime soon and we've been do we did a lot of videos when we were in Boston together um like tag videos and stuff so if there's any tags you want us to do together um send us them so we can like prepare in advance um nice 
And also, for all these types of bonus things, you can head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash talkdirection. And Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Um, I know we've recently got a new Patreon subscriber over there who's talking about the fic videos I used to do. Um, so if there's things like that that you want more of, let us know. There's We have like tons of videos that Kara and I have done together and apart and vlogs. We also, you get access to the Google Docs, which means all the pictures that we insert and all like the notes that we take for songs and stuff all get on there. Um, what else do we have? You can leave us voicemails and you, we play them on the show. Um, so there's a whole bunch of fun bonus content, patreon.com slash talk direction. Um, and now pretty much, unless there's anything else, Kara. I don't think so. We're going to just send it over to the interview we did with Zan. Um, and we will catch you at the end of the episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, definitely go check out the book. And, you, and we don't spoil it, to be clear. We don't yeah. spoil the book in the interview. So we just talk about um, Phantom a lot. So don't worry about reading the book beforehand. You can if you want to. Um, but we don't spoil the book um, at all. So you can listen to the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome, Zan. This is super, super exciting. Um, Kara and I are so thrilled to have this opportunity to interview someone. And and as, <laughs> as we said at the beginning of the episode, or you guys will have heard, we have Zan Romanoff today, who um, is very exciting to have on the episode because she is a young adult novelist. Um, she's written numerous essays, articles, featuring on, to- on topics that we often discuss on the podcast. So Um, When she reached out wanting to get in contact with us, we were very excited. Um, I've looked at a lot of your work, Zan, online, um, and Mm -hmm. the stuff that you write about, the fandom, feminism, celebrity and pop culture, literature, I think it's just so relatable and such great reads, and I definitely (laughs) recommend everyone um, go check them out. You have your own Tumblr where you post all this stuff, and we can... We can talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but this episode is going to be focusing on Zan's most recent book called Grace and the Fever, which Kara and I both read and really, really enjoyed um, mm-hmm. before Kara and I have been on. <laughs> of course. Um, Kara and I were talking before uh, we, we called you and we were just talking about how much we really, really just enjoyed the book and just thought it was yeah. such a great read and so relevant to, you know, One Direction and this podcast and fandom stuff. Um, so we just have a really awesome privilege to talk to Zan today about her book and the themes in her book. Um, and they relate so much to the 1D fandom and fandom culture and just like growing up and being a young person living life and experiencing (laughs) challenges and things. Um, so that is very, very exciting. And we just want to welcome Zan onto the podcast. So hi, how are you? How how are you doing today? (laughs) Um, I'm good. Uh, I am a little worse for the wear. Honestly, I spent most of yesterday drinking beer in a hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Which was extremely fun. Uh, highly recommend as an activity. Do not recommend as a hangover. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, gotta, you know, celebrate the founding of the country. (laughs) This is, yeah, I mean, this is, we're recording this on July 3rd. So like, this is, you know, yeah, it felt very American. Like, (laughs) like, well, it's very good for me. Like, I know, yeah, I was like, I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna regret this tomorrow, but like, <laughs> America. <laughs> um, so let's just give a synopsis. So this uh, of your book, I guess, because for our listeners who maybe have not heard of it before, what would you say is like something 
to sort of, I mean, we mentioned it's about fandom. Do you want to give a little rundown about what the book is about? Yeah, for sure. Um, So it's about a girl named Grace who is very obsessed with a boy band named Fever Dream. Um, And she's in particular obsessed with a conspiracy theory that might sound a little familiar to fans (laughs) of One Direction. um, (laughs) That two members of the band are in a secret relationship with one another. Um, And she lives in LA and she uh, accidentally one night, she's like walking around her neighborhood, sort of runs into one of the members of the boy band um, and and gets photographed with him uh, by the paparazzi, uh, which sets off this storm of rumors that he's cheating on his girlfriend with her. Anyway, she sort of gets swept into the lives of this boy band quite unexpectedly um, and discovers that uh, they have many secrets, uh, some of which she sort of had guessed at and some many of which she had not. Um, yeah, so it's about a girl who's in fandom who gets to experience um, what it's like on the other side. Yeah, that, mm. was, that was so cool. And I think um, I just... I think all of our listeners would really, really relate to so much of the book. And we're going to get into all, all the relatable things um, about it. But, um, yeah, definitely if that doesn't hook you, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what will. Um, so we're going to, before we get into into the discussion of the book, we wanted to give Zan some of our quick fire questions that we've given to people to who come on the show to, like, sort of get, like, the little 1D... Uh, like what would you call a profile of a person? Um, so I, as as we know, you're a One Direction fan. So I guess our first question would be, when did you become a One D fan? And yeah, well, I guess when oh did you become a One D fan? <laughs> um, I always feel like I'm gonna get yelled at for this answer because it was in 2012. I guess it was when 1989 came out. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I uh, was writing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, see, I, t- <laughs> um, I was writing a, a series of essays about Taylor Swift in about 1989, and um, and that gave me who One Direction was. I like, you know, I looked like best song ever, or not best song ever. Um, what makes you beautiful? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this seems fun. And I'd actually I'd seen weirdly, my friend and I like have this like long-standing thing about boy bands in general. So I'd seen This Is Us like in theaters. Oh <laughs> wow! So you had a little taste of them before, and then. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's so funny to me. Like, it's such a weird, you know, like, that. it's like, that I saw, I like saw the whole movie and I was completely different to it. I was like, I don't know, that was like cute and fun, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when 1989 came out, I was writing about it and I was like, oh, I should like, you know, find out who this Harry Styles character mm-hmm. is. <laughs> um, and in particular went and like went on the Haler tag on Tumblr and uh, was like, Expecting, I don't know, expecting people to be writing about Haler and instead, like, found Larry. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck? So oh, then you get okay. sucked into the entire fandom. I got extremely sucked in. I, like, at first I was just fascinated. I was like, this is so, like, interesting. And then very quickly went from being like, I'm researching One Direction fans to being like, I'm a completely insane One Direction fan. <laughs> yeah. We've all had that moment where we're like, you know, that one, that one day or, like, that one instance where you just, like, like just like look at everything like all the 1d videos the you know <laughs> interviews and this and that and get totally sucked into it um right all of a sudden I'm like literally sitting in my bed right now and I'm looking at the two posters of Harry Styles that I have on my yes <laughs> that is wonderful we are we are big Harry Style fans uh, on this podcast so you know For the you Harry know. safe environment I will say he's actually, I don't know if this is one of your questions. He is not my favorite direction. My favorite direction is Louie. Louie, oh, okay. nice. 
Yeah, Harry being like the the closest possible second, mm-hmm. but yeah. Louis gets a little. Louis and I are both Capricorns. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then you will be excited for Louis's new like song coming out um, soon. I'm like barely holding it together. To be <laughs> <laughs> we're, we were talking about how excited we are for that in the article of. Oh my god, that article! The, the Guardian, Dude. recently, literally, so excited. Guys, I like literally. This is this is really, I think, very telling of like where I'm at in my life. The like two or three nights after that article came out, I like literally had a dream that I was at Louis's first solo show, and he was like walking around the audience, and we all got to, like hold his hand and be like, "We love you, like you're so important." Oh, yes, literally holding their hand and telling them, "We love you." That is just the dream. I know it was so beautiful, and then I woke up and I was like, "Oh my god, what is my life?" <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so our next question would be, what is your favorite 1D song? Oh, boy. Um, unlike, it's funny, I'm like, I'm willing at this point to name a favorite, like, boy, um, a favorite man. Uh, <laughs> but I, like, don't, I mean, okay, like, it, up there in my direction songs, I would say uh, No Control, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, no Control is just, like, whatever, I love it. Um I really love Little White Lies, uh, which I is like I feel like not a very popular favorite, but like that song just like kills me every time. It's um, a jam. It's, it's a, a jam. Yeah. yeah. I have many times like, embarrassed myself, it'll come on my headphones when I'm like, you know, walking, like taking a walk or whatever. I start to like jam it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to like all the vines of those people like headbanging in cars, like with Little White <laughs> Lies playing in the background. I'm like, that's absolutely how my soul feels every time that <laughs> song comes on. Exactly. So yeah, so Little White Lies, um, Fireproof, obviously amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I Would, uh, is that what that song is called? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> um, love that. Also super a jam. Um, I mean, I honestly also, so like, I definitely remember hearing Story of My Life on the radio and yeah. being like, this is a beautiful song. <laughs> yeah. There's so many there's so many good ones. It's so hard to pick one. Karen and I know this. Whenever we, we rank songs or something, whatever, we're like, well this one, but also this one, but also yeah, this we have one. A top ten when we're supposed to have a top one. But we're like, fun. well, these are all on the same level, so we need like twenty on level one. Yeah, we have like different tiers. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. There's the one direction songs that like I like love so much I feel like I'm gonna die when I hear them and there's the one direction yeah. songs that I just like love so, like I just love them with my entire heart and soul mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway I think that's a good like a, it gives you a sense I mean yeah I love I love the jams um, yeah. but I love, I love the earlier stuff like I love all the like sweet little pop like yeah. you know take me home is like take me home is a bop Classic. I could keep going <laughs> classic <Yeah. laughs> um and do you no, have a favorite it. 1d memory it could be like fandom wise or concert or like a friendship that you developed in <laughs> fandom or anything like that oh yeah for sure so the moment at which I realized like how intense it had gotten um was a couple summers ago when they were doing Otra and they weren't playing LA for reasons that I will never understand um I know, but they were playing in San Diego. And I was like, well, San Diego is like, it's like a two-hour drive on a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, on this particular day, it was the first day of Comic-Con. Oh, <laughs> oh God. God. In San Diego. Um, but my friend Kelsey and I were just like, I don't care. Like, we were like, this is like the most important. Because I think at this point, <clears throat> I think, yeah, Zane had already left the band. Um, mm-hmm. So, like it was pretty clear that the wheels were coming off the yeah. bus and we were just like, yeah. you know, it's now like, it's Need not going to happen. Need to do it now. Need to do yeah. it now. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I will regret it for the rest of my life if I don't do this. So like Kelsey and I got in a car. Um, <clears throat> sorry. 
uh, Kelsey and I got in a car. We drove, uh, it ended up being, I think, six, six or seven hours um, to get to the San Diego like, football stadium where they were playing. Like, two-hour drive. We're doing a six-hour drive. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Literally <laughs> um, dedication there. We, like, we go, okay, so we go to the show. The show is obviously like, amazing. <laughs> then we try to get out. And, like, I don't know what was going on. We, like, messed up the parking lot in some way. And we ended up sitting in the parking lot, unable to move our car for two hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and at this point, it's, like, midnight. It's, like, midnight to 2 a.m. Like, I have to yeah. work the next morning. Oh like, we're sitting God. in the car. And we just just played One Direction album, <laughs> even though we had just seen the live show. Beautiful. <laughs> And I was just like, you know what? Like, this is where we're at right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. And it was, it, honestly, it was one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. And like. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Right? And, and after yeah. One Direction High is just so good. Yeah. Like, concert high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. And I like, don't get to have that. Okay, we're not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know you said Louis is your favorite boy. Is Does that mean you're also most excited about him going solo and like. Or, or how are you thinking of their solo careers so far as well? Um, I'm really, I mean, listen, I'm happy for all of them. I love all of my sons. <laughs> I want them all to, like, be happy in their lives. Um, <clears throat> that said, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Honestly, like, I, I really loved One Direction's music. I love One Direction's music. Um, mm-hmm. It's so, like, in my wheelhouse um, in terms of, like, what I love. And it's been, it's been really interesting. Like, I'm excited for them to, like, do, you know, like, I don't know, live their truths. Yeah. And also, I'm like, Every time they come out with a song, I'm like, oh, this is no One Direction song. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's great. Like, I'm um, I'm actually doing a thing this week for a Tumblr called One Week, One Band, um, where I'm writing a series of posts about Harry, about Harry Styles, about the solo album, um, mm-hmm. which has been really interesting to, like, get to, like, really spend time with it and think about it and, like, sort of work through, like, you know, I don't know, my reactions to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I was reading some of your st- commentary on the song Carolina. I, I forget oh, yeah. what that was for. And it's just so interesting. That's why we love breaking down all the songs and, like, really pulling them apart on this podcast, which I guess you experience doing in, in the writing sort of sense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really, I don't know, I think it's worthwhile to, like, spend mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm like, I'm going to listen to this album a gazillion times. Like, let me spend a week, like, thinking about, you know, what I'm thinking about and, like, what's happening when I listen mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about all of them. Honestly, like Slow Hands is a jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Just Hold On. I'm super excited to hear what Louis like. You Me know, too. next single is. I'm so I, ready. I, I feel like a lot of my friends like aren't that into Strip That Down, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been saying I don't like it, but literally it's been stuck in my head. Like I've been singing it around my house like nonstop. It's insane. <laughs> I feel like it's a good summer bop. Yeah. Like. You know, it's right. I'm like, listen, I don't know. I'm like, Liam is such a little sweetheart doofus. Like, I love my child. It's just like, I love him you know, dancing I used to on be stage. Watching. I, just, I just love yes. it. I love yeah. watching little, him dance around. His little dances. Oh my God. Like, I have a group text with some friends. Uh, my friend Kelsey, who went to the show with me, and Katie, who set up this call today. Um, we have a, a group text called One Direction Study Group. Um, <laughs> and Katie is the only one of us who's like really loves Liam. Like uh, Kelsey and I are both hardcore, hardcore Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Katie's just been sending us gifts of like Liam dancing. Aww. She's like, how do you not love this? <laughs> That's great. I know. I feel like we need we need like a, a Louis or a Liam stan like to give us. I don't know, because we, we never really give Liam the proper I attention know, on this podcast. Don't. And I always feel so bad, but I... <laughs> 
you know, I'm still proud of him doing his thing. I feel like I'm like a mom watching her, her son at the talent show. And I'm just so proud of him, you know. It's so true. I like referred to them as my sons the other day. And my roommate was like, but aren't you also attracted to them? Like, isn't that weird? I was like, I can't explain it's it. It's a complicated relationship. Freud would be so intrigued. Right? I was like, sometimes they're my sons, sometimes they're my boyfriends. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Let me live. Exactly. Let me live. Um, and then our last question is, do you recommend any musicians or bands for people who liked 1D, given the hiatus and given the style of music and all that type of stuff? Are there other musicians that you would recommend for our listeners? You know, I don't know that I have a good answer to that. Um... I mean, I will say that I am like an old school Hanson fan. Um, my like my first boy band, my first loves were the Men of Hanson, mm-hmm. um, and I think that they are highly underrated. Yeah, if you like like good solid pop music, they make great pop music. Um, they're like three dudes goofing off with each other, uh, and they're delightful. So I would say give Hanson another try or a first try because probably many people <laughs> listening to the podcast are younger than I am and they weren't around for that first yeah, moment. I've, I've never listened to them. I like know about them. Well, through the fact that like Harry dressed up as one of the, the members oh, that one. Oh my god, time. you can't, you can't even imagine like how hard I lost my. <laughs> I guess I wasn't a fan of it at the time, but like when I found out that that had happened, yeah. or like when Harry, he like he wears handsome shirts all the time. I'm just mm-hmm. like you. Speaking of, can I live? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that is great. I feel like we know you more already. These quick fire questions have given us good insight. Um, so now let's move on to more of the book related questions and like fandom questions because your book does so much like surround fandom and fandom culture, which is very, uh, very much reflects the 1D fandom and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to start off with. Just the, just like, how has fandom been a part of your life, and like, what inspired you to want to write about it? Yeah, so I've been in fandom since I was a child. <laughs> like I said, Hanson was my first. Like, you know, I fell in love with Hanson when I was like eleven years old, and this is like pretty early days of the internet. Um, I went on like a now defunct search engine called Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I was like, tell me more about Hanson. Um, <laughs> And discovered these like homemade GeoCities web pages where people were posting, you know, fic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, you know, because I was like writing stories and stuff. I was like, this is like my two favorite things. It's like this boy band and, and stories. Like this is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so I spent some time in handsome fandom when I was younger, and then uh, I, you know, that like a little bit blood, like people I was reading in Hanson sort of started reading writing Harry Potter fic. So that was the beginning mm-hmm. of my understanding that like fandom existed, like beyond you know, um, yeah, beyond, like, just, oh, for handsome. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I fell out of it for a really long time. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I would sort of, like, you know, I'd, like, peek back in every now and again and, like, be like, what's going on? Or, you know, I don't know. It was, like, I mean, I knew about it, but I just didn't think about it for, like, a really long I mean, mm-hmm. sort of, like, middle school through college, pretty much. Mm. Um, yeah, and then when I was in college, like, started reading a little bit of fic again, um, but really, like, had been out of the game, um, until, like, I found One Direction, Mm -hmm. and, um, as I say, tumbled headfirst (laughs) (laughs) into, you know, down that rabbit hole, but yeah, I mean, fandom's been a part of my life for a really long time, um, and it definitely, especially as it's becoming sort of more, like, known and, like, talked about in, like, mainstream media, Mm -hmm. It was so, it was just so frustrating. I was like, this is not, I was like, no one's getting it right, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, no one's like getting it, you know, the way that I, I want it. 
Um, so in general, I was starting to write about fandom um, and think about fandom and, you know, to, as because I was also starting to write more because um, I, I had a day job um, until about a year ago um, and then I quit it and then I've been freelancing. So I was like, okay, like one of my beats is going to be fandom. Mm-hmm. I just had already written Grace. I already written Grace, written Grace at that point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it was something that I was seeing a lot of conversation about that I was like, people are not getting this right. They're not understanding this. I'm pretty yeah. uniquely positioned in terms of having a history with it. Um, but it, like the idea to write a book about fandom, uh, really, it really came from like being so deeply immersed in it. And from, so when I started getting interested, part of what happened is I got really interested in One Direction and, uh, my friend Logan, like happened, poor Logan happened to send me an email about something. And I was like, oh, like also like, I've been so obsessed with this thing, like, and sent her a bunch of Larry links. And she <laughs> Literally 15 minutes later, she was like, I'd never heard of this before, but now I'm like a full scale, like believer, I'm, like very, <laughs> and we became, she was like my first, like sort of crossover, like real life fandom friend. Mm-hmm. And she'd never been, she'd never been in fandom before. So talking to her about it and sort of like what it was and what it was like for her, mm-hmm. um, that was a big motive in terms of writing the book. I was like having all these conversations about like, what is fandom? Like, what are we doing? Like, is this okay? Yeah. Um, you know, no, yeah, it was just like that was what I was thinking about, um, and I needed to write a book about something. So, <laughs> that was... well, it's it's so great that you did because we talk about on the podcast so often that you know the way that the public portrays fandom, they like you said, they get it so wrong, and it's often just like fans are viewed as dumb and sort of living in this fantasy world and like kind of silly, especially like you you get like sort of. Uh, fandom gets very much characterized as like young dumb girls a lot of times which like ignores everyone else in fandom one, number one but also like just the way that they they paint like teenage girls and young young people in general just like so wrong um so wrong <laughs> so like <laughs> sorry go ahead no i'm good <laughs> um, uh just like i guess what what is your opinion on how, I guess, how the public views fandom culture and how, as you've mentioned in many of the things you've written, how patriarchal structures in our society play into that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think the public tends to look at, like, you know, the general public, whatever, tends to look at anything that young women are doing and being like, well, that's obviously stupid. Like, whatever it is, it's definitely mm-hmm. stupid because, like, young women like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm like embarrassing for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have had this experience, but like the number of people who felt the need to reach out to me and be like, do you know Harry Styles is really good? I'm oh like, oh my God. God. You're like, actually, I'm like, yes, I knew that for like five years. Thanks. I'm like, I, I'm like, have you, I've been telling you this and you've been like patting me on the head and nodding and now you're like, yeah. oh, he's really talented. I'm like, yeah, he's really yeah. talented. Yeah. Now that he's doing like dad rock you know <laughs> exactly which I'm really oh my god I'm trying to like pitch this piece that I want to come out around when Dunkirk comes out um the working title which is Harry Styles is cool now and I hate it <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, just like, I'm like I totally get it and anyway this is a tangent like I'm like I want him to like have the career he wants and I totally get that like he needs to like reach out to different demographics and also like it's so hard when you've spent all this time and energy like loving and defending something that other people were not willing to see as legitimate to then to, to then have him sort of legitimize himself for people mm-hmm. I'm like I get I totally get why he's doing it and like no shade to him but also like as a fan it's a very frustrating position to be in mm. um, 
anyway that said yeah no I totally um, relate to that I had a, an experience with my cousin recently who he's like uh he was not a fan he's not a fan of One Direction <laughs> and he teases me about the podcast but we were talking about Justin Bieber actually and I was saying we were saying like um that like I, when I was younger I used to like Justin Bieber and I thought he was like really cool and whatever and of course everyone all I got made fun of by him about that and like you know young people young girls got made fun of but now that Justin Bieber's cool like and I was saying well I don't like Justin Bieber anymore I think there's like he's problematic in a lot of ways and then my cousin was still making fun of me for that and I was like women can't win like when we do like something you know like we get made fun of and then when we don't we also get made fun of and like how like ah, it's very <laughs> very annoying yeah. I think women can't win is actually a really good like <laughs> distillation of how I feel about fandom yeah. um, no because I because I think the other thing right is like in terms of the, you know, the idea, like, the people, sh- there's this idea, like, oh, women don't like sex, like, you know, women are prude or all this, sh- mm-hmm. and then, like, women are writing porn, and it's like, well, that's creepy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, let's uh, talk about the porn industry. And, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. What it's founded right? on. <laughs> like, I have said this before, and I will say it again, I'm like, the idea, the fact that there's, like, an entire culture that is largely young women, like, writing porn like porn for free for one another I mean and not that fic is just porn obviously there's like many you know Mm -hmm. but that one of the aspects of it is like is like creating the pornography that we wish to see in the world you know like that's it's super radical it's super radical that it's like and and that it's largely um yeah like all you know free and like done just like Mm -hmm. out of love of love of the game yeah um yeah I think fandom is like incredibly um sort of a radical community in a lot of ways. I think Mm -hmm. that it's like doing the most amazing and interesting work creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's funny, like, and on the one hand, I'm like, I want it to get more credit and and for people to understand what it is. And also I'm sort of like, don't talk about it. Like you don't understand it. Like leave it alone. Don't try and commercialize it. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it is a difficult. What's so special about it is like that it's people doing it because they love it for free. And like, I just feel like it, it keeps it separate from, you know, uh, the grubby corporations and tr- people trying to get their capitalist hands all over it. Um, but yeah. 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 I think it's such a like beautiful, my friend Verity and I talk a lot about the idea of, of fandom as gift economy, right. That it's like mm. actually has like an economic structure and it's just, it's just gifts. It's just like, you yeah. know, it's a bunch of people who like care for one another and like want to make things for one another. And like, mm. that, you know, not that fandom doesn't have its problems. Yeah. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Um, as anyone I think who spent any time around like the Larry world's going to test yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so many other things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were actually talking about how um, in your book, you did such a good job of balancing between like, you know, presenting fandom in a positive light, but also critiquing it. And I think that like, that's so important when you love something, you have to be able to look at the problems within it and just like see it as like a whole multifaceted, multi-layered thing. And I think that you did a really great job of presenting fandom in such like a, like nuanced perspective. Thank you. That's that is exactly what I <laughs> people would say. <laughs> you know, because I did like I both want it. You know, I want people who are in fandom to read it and like recognize themselves and be excited about it. Um, but I also was very cognizant that people who aren't in fandom would read it, and that for a lot of people it was going to be their first like in depth experience with fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt a real responsibility to both normalize it, um, but also not to glorify it. You know, to be like, this is just this. It's a community of people. Like every mm-hmm. other community of people, it's very yeah. cool and it's 
very troubled. Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like Katie, your character Katie, was a great spokesperson in terms of that. Always saying like, <laughs> always saying things like, people can isolate this one thing and make it into this weird sort of like thing. But if you sort of step back, it's just like you just said, it's like all other things that we do, you know, like, um, I don't know. I felt like she was so good at sort of taking a step back and being like, this is not just something that happens in fandom. This is something that occurs in all aspects of life. And it's like, people like to sort of like create fandom as this weird, like abnormal thing, but it's really just super normal. And like, you know, like other things that we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's something that I, it's especially important to me because it is not a conversation that I had or was like really cognizant of growing up. Like, you know, in fandom and I was like, oh, this is like a very weird thing that I do. And like, yeah. you know, yeah, this makes, I mean, I definitely had, you know, Grace's, Grace's sort of um, embarrassment about her, mm. about how passionate she is and, and about being in fandom in particular. Very, it's very autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I, I was just like, and the older that I've gotten, I think fandom has gotten better about saying this to each other and starting to say this to other people when they, you know, come to talk about fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like sports fandom is weird as hell yeah. <laughs> like, because men do it. It's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like there's, you know, we're like watching, um, <clears throat> there used to be a, a website called the toast that, um, two women named Mallory Ortberg and Nicole Cliff ran and they published like essentially fan fiction on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like loving it. And I would see like, you know, people who, and they had a strong, a strong, a significant portion of their readership, like probably was, I mean, I know was in fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but like a lot of people I would see like posting these things online. I was like, Oh, you don't think of, you know, if Idris Elba were your your boyfriend, like you don't think of that as fan fiction. You think of it as being a comedy Mm -hmm. piece, Mm -hmm. but like it's fan fiction, you know, honestly, every time I read a tabloid, I'm like, this is fan fiction. (laughs) It's so (laughs) true. Everyone's in friggin' like, you know, RP fandom. Like everyone yeah. who has an opinion about a celebrity is in an RP fandom. Like, don't yeah. at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like people remaking movies basically are ready their own fan fiction. Honestly. Exactly. I feel like remaking movies is like so Oh yeah. No, the right the Star Trek, the most recent Star Trek movies are all in AU. Like it yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, I really, I found this quote that Katie said really, really interesting. I wanted you to talk about it. She said, um, and I guess for listeners who haven't read it, Katie is a friend of Grace's, the main character, uh, who she knows through fandom and online, and they're sort of like fandom friends. Um, And she said, we create whole worlds to live in, and that's fine. That's necessary, I think, sometimes, especially necessary if you're a teenage girl living in a patriarchal culture, the patriarchy is still alive and well. Uh, Can you just talk about what that quote means to you? Yeah. um, Yeah, this is a big, big, big thing of mine, actually, is that I think that um, people are really eager to pathologize women having any kind of fantasy life mm-hmm. um right anytime that a woman isn't being like strictly realistic and like engaging with you know stuff on the ground it's like well she's like you know it's like it's infantile essentially mm-hmm. right this is the big thing about boy bands is like women like them because it allows them to like engage with like a non-threatening version of masculinity and like people talk about it as if it's a bad thing I'm like have you met masculinity it's very <laughs> threatening <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, so yeah, you're right. I do want to engage with a non-threatening version <laughs> of it. I want to engage with a version of it that, like, can't hurt me. Like, I want to, yeah, I want to fantasize about boys who are not going to be heads to me. Yeah. Like, mm. I don't, it's weird. 
Um, you know, like I really, it's continually amazing to me. Um, yeah, how, how incredibly uh, often people feel the need to pathologize what is, I think, essentially just like a very normal human coping mechanism for living in the world. Like the world is a scary and disappointing place. And sometimes you need to be away from it <laughs> in yeah. your mind. Yeah, that, that, that is uh, the beauty of fandom and how I think we really do create an entire world, an entire like community like, especially with social media online, you just, fandom is so much more than what people think it is. It's just, like, this completely holistic, like, giant thing that has so many aspects to it. And I think people get very narrowed down and think it's, like, this one obsession where, like, you're <laughs> living in this fantasy world and, like, whatever. And you're, like, hold up. Like, like take a step back and let's like, yeah. like let's look at this, like... There's so many aspects of fandom that people are a part of and experience in different ways and the narrow-mindedness. Yeah, yeah, the narrow-mindedness. And I, I do think also that it's so... Like, one of the things I wanted to focus on in this book is, like, not... I feel like a lot of um, writing about fandom, people write about people who are creators in fandom, so they're, like, mm-hmm. you know, fit artists or fic writers or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I wanted to write more about the community of it, right? Because it's, like... It's not just like you're like, it's not like you're fantasizing alone. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like you're making friends and you have this whole, I mean, language and conversation, like the sort of, you know, tropes of fandom and then the particular memes of like your fandom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. I feel like my friends and I just like stuff comes up and we like make little, you know, One Direction jokes about it. <laughs> like, yeah, all the time. You know, we have this shared language. Yeah, but then yeah. It's, it's very quickly, it gets very hard. As with, again, as with everything, like it's not like I can necessarily delineate, I mean, in certain ways, but like a lot of my fandom life is very related to my RL life. And like my mm-hmm. fandom friends and I don't just talk about fandom. We talk about what's going on with us, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And, and uh, fandom leads to conversation about that type of stuff. It's so, it's like, it, even if I'm talking about Harry Styles, I'm also talking about, you know, like the, the gender roles that we have. And Karen and I will get into discussions about that. Like just because you're talking, it, my mom said it actually, she said that like you sort of, a fandom becomes like a basis for like other parts of your life like other things grow from it it's not just like I don't know it's like it's conversation starters and like meeting people and connecting over different things like we talk about you know the update twitters who have like millions or hundreds of thousands of followers and then they tweeting about politics mm-hmm. and like how that relates to fandom and all that type of stuff where things grow from this and it becomes like so much so rich with with you know really deep things it's not this surface level thing I think that people think it is yeah yeah exactly and it's a I think it's like fandom is a lens right and Mm -hmm. it's just like it's a way of looking at um yeah it's just it's just a different way it's a lens onto the world but it's not the yeah this idea that it's like completely disconnected from like anything real I mean yeah yeah, it's I mean I, and I will say, like, you know, as someone who writes fiction, like, I, you know, whenever I'm writing fiction, it's a way for me to sort of, like, my books are not necessarily autobiographical. Grace has some very obvious, like, autobiographical elements, but, like, you know, um, but when I'm writing, like, it, it's not like I sit down and I'm like, oh, I'm going to, like, work through this issue, but it's, you know, it's a way for me to um, just sort of, like, dig up some stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really, like, I don't know, and and so to have that available, you know, I think the idea that people are writing fan fiction that's just, like, you know, 
an imagination of themselves making kissy faces at their favorite celebrity. <laughs> like some of it is that, and that's fantastic. And also so much of it is, you know, it's about, it's like, I see this celebrity or I see this fictional character and they like inspire something in me. Mm-hmm. They, you know, remind me of something in my own life that I want to explore and I want to like, you know, express. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a way of pe- for people to like get to tell stories, like their own stories, other people's stories. Yeah. Um, I just like so much fan fiction you read and you're like, Oh, this is someone it's just, it's just sort of incredible also, like, to see the way in which, like, other people's stories um, are inspiring, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, how much it can lead to. Yeah, honestly, I we definitely want to talk about fan fiction for sure, so maybe we could just jump into that now. Um, yeah. But I, the fan fiction, and we've talked about this so much on the podcast, I read a ton of it, and, like, the, just, I'm, personally, I'm interested in going uh, into, I'm going to hopefully go to med school and become a psychiatrist and Mm. I'm getting my master's next year in in developmental psychology and like those things about mental health came from fan fiction and like it's hard to like (laughs) for people to understand that like oh I read a fan fiction where it focused on mental health and I saw someone going to therapy and I mean that wasn't the only thing like there was a lot of things that led me to this path but that was something that really influenced where I wanted to go with my career and like you're gonna tell me that like you know fan fiction isn't legit or like fan fiction is just about like this like whatever fantasy kissy face thing you were saying like it's like entire it's entire books and entire worlds that people create that are uh like have their own in like story like it's an entire story you know it's not um just like this fantasy thing so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no I'm like I'm, I'm with you um yeah and I mean for me you know it's funny like it's not about the content of the fic right but like writing fic was like one of the first like some of the first fiction I ever wrote mm-hmm. um and that's my job now yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um I mean that was I will say like every day that I was writing Grace I was just laughing I was like the idea that I'm gonna sell this book and like make money off of it <laughs> off of, like something that I <laughs> like yeah. you know that I like did that I've done for fun my whole life and that like mm. you know that I when I was a kid like especially like a hobby that I had when I was growing up that if I had told anyone about it they would have been like that is weird and a waste of time mm. <laughs> and I'm like no it's my job now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um yeah and it's I don't know I love I love fic I really just like think it is the best um and it's so yeah it's so important to me both for those like big professional reasons and also just because like yeah, it's amazing that like the the trust I guess that the mm-hmm. community has, where it's like I'm gonna write this like very personal thing for free. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that anyone's gonna read it, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm just gonna post it on the internet, and like you can say whatever you want about it. You know, like I'm yeah. just gonna like put it up there. That's like that's friggin' beautiful. Yeah, and and also just the topics that are explored in fan fiction that because it's like people writing for themselves and writing for their community, you just get such a variety of things that you know, main, like, mainstream media doesn't write about, we talk about, like, queer relationships, like, they always, uh, there's so much of fan fiction, especially in the One Direction fan fiction that's relate, that's based on queer relationships, and seeing, and I think for people to get to read that type of stuff, and read it in a way where it's, like, it's not, like, one gay character who ends up, like, committing suicide in a TV show or something, it's, like, Mm -hmm people with full lives, full experiences, and the people who are writing them have, because they put so much of themselves into it, it it just rings so true, and it's not, like, some, like, white dude trying to write about, like, you know, a young queer girl, 
It's just like it's a it's a <laughs> young queer girl writing about like you know young queer people, uh, and just like the the places that can go and like the freedom I think that provides people to you know be themselves and explore things and understand themselves a lot more is so so important. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the um, things that I really wanted to make sure was in the book. There's a, a character named Jade, not to like, you know, give too much away, but like mm-hmm. I, Jade to me is, was a really important avatar of that, of like, um, of, of what it means to be a young queer person, like who sees, mm-hmm. who sees themselves in fandom. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that like, there was precisely that. Um, yeah. That thing of, of like, there's, you know, there's lots of uh, ways of being in the world that, that don't necessarily come across mm-hmm. uh, your TV screen, but that might come across your dashboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think that too shows, like, uh, with Jade and with Grace and Katie, just showing the characters and, and people in fandom as multifaceted and showing them yeah. that, you yeah. know, I think people get this sort of one-track mind of what a fan is. It's someone who's in love with, you know, the boy band or wants to picture themselves in a relationship, you know, with Harry Styles. When for <laughs> a lot of people, that's not the case or, like, that's not yeah. what they dream about or not what they want. And to sort of be able to see, you know people as full people who you know especially for grace like we got to see her in so many aspects like I loved the parts where you would just see her writing to her college roommate where it just seems so separate and was like she has this entire life she has a relationship with her mom she has her online sort of Gigi thing she has a relationship with Katie she's got her friends like all these other things just like to make a to make someone seem a fan seems like a full person which we all are obviously but I think sort of people forget that you know yeah I think it is I think it's very difficult for people people hear like a label and they're like oh she's a fan and it's like mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. also a human person yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and you know like, I get it like you know I, I totally get the need to like flatten people into archetypes right like yep. to like fully um you know engage with the like full humanity of everyone in the world way too exhausting mm-hmm. and also I yeah I'm always just like take a step back like take a minute mm-hmm. <laughs> and like let's think about you know, you never know what's going on in someone's life. You never know what role this stuff is playing in someone's life. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, yeah, people are just so much more complicated and interesting than we ever want to give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, yeah, like, it, I think the book is in a lot of ways an attempt to take two different kinds of, like, flattened character, right? The fangirl and the boy band member, like, the celebrity, and just sort of be like, okay, you know, let's let's stop, like, doing a headline version of this like let's mm-hmm. you know let's take 300 pages like what's re- you know what are some things that could be going on in a person's mm-hmm. life um and I will say also that this was it was written in part out of frustration because I was like you know reading all the stuff about 1d and talking about them and I was just like I'm never gonna know yeah like you know I mean almost certainly never gonna know like the you know the real behind the scenes and what it was like and all that stuff mm-hmm. and I was like well if I make up a character then I can know yeah <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to know 1D's secrets, but I know all of Jess Holloway's because I created them. <laughs> was, that, was that, like, difficult for you to try to create, like, the different personas and, like, what people would know? Or, like, was it fun to be like, okay, this is what, you know, Grace will see out of Jess, but this is what he's actually like. And, like, this is what Jess will see of Grace in these different ways. Like, to create the sort of... Because they almost live different lives in some senses. Was that interesting for you to, like, create those sort of different personas and different environments yeah super fun um yeah I mean one of my favorite things is like um 
as an author, like, knowing more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's, right, so infrequently in life do you, like, actually know what's going on. <laughs> like, right. you know, to be to be the point in the story where I'm like, oh, you know, the plot seems unclear, or like, you know, to a reader, like, you don't know what's going to happen yet. And I'm like, no, I know all the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, you know, I know why he's saying this. And I know when it's going to be revealed why he's saying this mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like, you know, no, I'm all authors are control freaks. And I am not an exception. <laughs> <laughs> we were saying uh, how great it would be to reread your book again. Uh, Because you find out things throughout the novel that you don't know at the beginning, where, like, going back, I'm like, well, in hindsight, what would I see now Mm -hmm. that I know that, like, this happened, like, way down the line? Like, how would I look at the characters and, like, what they do and how they interact with each other that I think would be really interesting? I guess as an author, you just kind of know that, like, (laughs) going through. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I've never... Yeah, I've essentially never been able to read the book without knowing how it ends, but it's still fun. And that's, to me, like, that's uh, the mark of a a good book Mm -hmm. or a good story of any kind, right? Is that, like, you know, anyone can write, like, a twist ending. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, but, like, but if you, but if the twist ending makes you want to go back and reread it and see what you missed and, like, you you understand the book differently, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a a good ending opens the door to go back to the beginning and, like, understand more about, you know sort of what went on definitely um yeah so yeah again thank you I wanted to get into about the we, we talked about a, the big part of the book being that a lot of the care a lot of the people in the book and the fandom of fever dream ship two members of the band together and as you said that's just something that's very apparent in the one direction fandom people are always shipping uh the the boys with each other and with other people Um, and often it can get down to sort of this sticky line of what's healthy and fun in fandom culture and fan fiction being this amazing thing. And then also like, what is sort of the flip side? Like, where do you draw the line between what's like fun and fandom and what can be harmful and actually hurt people who are the real, because these are real people. It's not like we're talking about Harry Potter characters, you know, these are real people with lives and friends and family and sort of just getting your take on how to balance that, I guess. Yeah, um, it's super tricky. <laughs> That's what I know. Um, no, it's super tricky, and um, I think about it a lot. Uh, you know, like, you know, it's hard because it's like I'm like the you know hundred thousandth person to like click on some update account. You know, like they're whatever. <clears throat> it's hard to feel like I'm like I'm just a drop in the bucket. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the millionth person to like pick up an S Weekly that has, you know, a story about whatever in it. Like, you know, it's like well, my behavior doesn't make that much of a difference, honestly. And also it's like, but the aggregate of that behavior, right? Like the millions of girls who do that does shape like the possibility, the career possibilities and the personal possibilities that like these people have, yeah. um, you know, and it's, it's just really tough to figure out. And to an extent, like also it's like they, you know, they're, they're selling us stuff. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not crazy to want to buy it and it's not crazy to be like, you know. I have questions about the things you're selling me and the way you're telling me the story. And like, I do want to know more. Um, and I think again, yeah, it is, it's, it's, I don't know that there's any hard and fast line. I think it's a lot just like figuring out how to take a step back to constantly be like, you know, these people are people. Um, and my big thing is like, I'm just like, we can't know anything. Yeah. Um, 
I think the moment at which you presume to know anything about a person you've never met, I'm like, I don't know things about the people I do. Like I spent yeah. like my life hanging out. I don't even know myself, you know, like how am I going <laughs> to know this random person? The idea that like I can deduce anything about Harry Styles from, you know, even the, the you know, incredible kind of access to him that we have, mm, you know, yeah. given social media and all that stuff. Yeah. And just like that, the minute at which you start getting certain, I think both in fandom and in life mm-hmm. is the point at which you are in some real trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I I really, it was important to me, again, you know, because we've all this conversation we've had about, like, fandom is healthy and fandom is awesome and, like, 100% all true. And also parts of fandom are toxic, parts of fandom are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I... I, Yeah. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) Yeah, we always say, like, there's the writing fan fiction and then there's sending a fan fiction to one of the boys like there's a line like no no know where it is and sometimes it's very blurry and it's hard to say like but uh yeah it's something I think we just need to constantly discuss as a fandom to see where we're going wrong and where we need to do better and you know learn and grow from the mistakes that we make and try to try to do better I guess mm-hmm. yeah and it's you know I don't I, I never know because there's Oh, there's so much stuff, right? Because I'm like, would Harry, like, I would never want Harry to read any, like, I've written, like, little, like, email fix to my friends. Like, I'm mm-hmm. never, like, I don't need, like, fanfiction published anywhere, but, you know, I'll, like, write little, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. If for some reason that was available, I would never want Harry to read that. Yeah. Um, and in part because I think it would make him uncomfortable, and yeah. I get that, but I'm, but I am also, I'm sort of like, but you're selling me a fantasy of yourself. Like, that's your job. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, also, I'm just like, that's a weird job. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, mm-hmm. I really think that we as a culture do not have enough conversations about what it means mm-hmm. um, that celebrities are required to have persona, right? And, like, yeah. to sell us a, a vision of persona. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think about this all the time, you know, when, in terms of the paparazzi, whatever, like, what the boundaries are mm-hmm. between, um, you know, when someone is like, well, I'm selling you a version of myself, you know, how that just inevitably bleeds into their real lives and, and mm-hmm. how, how they can draw lines around it, how we can draw lines around it. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. I say in summation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that you say selling the persona because the next talking point I wanted to talk about was sort of like the idea of a person of a celebrity we create versus like the actual person we don't know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we often talk about famous people or even book characters as if we know them personally. And I think what happens, and and fandom does this a lot, we sort of collectively project onto them what we want them to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know Katie, Katie in the book says that people just generally do this with crushes or new friends. Like you have a crush on someone and you sort of like project this idea of who you want them to be and then maybe something happens and you're like oh shoot they're not the perfect person that I sort of had in my mind of them to be and I think we do that with celebrities a lot um and uh I was I wanted to bring up a while ago we had this discussion about why we think uh Harry Styles is so well liked by a lot of people and a lot of the conversation focused on like you know the little snippets that we see where he's like you know wearing something that breaks gender stereotypes or like he'll you know run with the the rainbow flag and I think at least sort of mine and Kara's sort of we project him to be this kind of like quality feminist idol who like is not afraid <laughs> to like break these boundaries or whatever and like in a world where like heteronormativity like rules and like if you're not you know a straight cis white man like you're considered wrong or you're looked down upon or whatever it is like to have someone who you can sort of project as this 
idle might feel like super empowering and supportive and stuff, but like we have to step back and, and be like, okay, in reality, what has he given us? What has he done? You know? <laughs> and like, just sort of like step back and be like, we don't really know where he stands on everything. He's not really this like perfect a feminist icon, you know, I, I don't know if you yeah. saw him like talking about politics recently or like whatever. We had a big conversation about, talking about yeah. politics. <laughs> yeah, talking. We had a big conversation about like that and, and just things where you just sort of have to check yourself and be like, you know, you could sort of make someone out to be this perfect person that you want them to be, but you have to remember that maybe that's not them, I guess. And just sort of like be like, okay, well I'm picturing them as who I want them to be, but they might not be there quite yet, or they might not have all these aspects that I uh, sort of imagine for them to have. Yeah. Um, so I, oh my God. So like I said, when I was a kid, I was a huge Hanson fan. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up in LA. Like my dad was working in the movie industry and he comes home one day and he's like, I think I was like 12, I was probably 12 or 13. And he's like, I, he's like, I want to tell you a story. And like, I sort of didn't know whether like I should, but I, I feel like you should hear this. Like, um, that Hanson had been shooting like a music video on a soundstage like near where he was working and um, I forget who it was but it was some like older like actor um, famous guy had kids who loved Hanson and had sent them over like a I don't know a basket or something and was like hey you know here's like some stuff like can, would you mind like signing a couple of CDs for my kids mm-hmm. um, you know they really love you and like I'm working on the soundstage next door or whatever and Hanson had been like no and <laughs> <laughs> um, and it broke my heart. Oh. Like, you know, now I'm old enough to be like, oh, you know, oh, they were busy. Like, they whatever. Yeah. You know, they can't, they couldn't start sending autographs for, like, this one guy because then they had to do it for others. Like, yeah. you know, I can, I can justify it in all kinds of ways. But it was just, like, it was such an incredible, heartbreaking moment of, like, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, they're not my idols. And it's totally possible. Or it's not, they're, they're not the people that I've imagined them to be mm-hmm. as my idols. Mm-hmm. And it's totally possible that if I met them, they would not care about me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I literally, I, like, had all these handsome posters in my room, and I, like, went and took them all down. Aww. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's so, like, but but on the other hand, like, it was really heartbreaking, and also I'm kind of glad that I had that moment early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because celebrities are not our friends. Yeah. Um, they're super not our friends. First of all, they're just, like, human people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are being sold to us. They're selling themselves to us. If they're at all savvy, they're trying to show us, like, the most attractive and, like, likable parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad I am. I'm ultimately very glad that I like learned young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That like, you can't, and this is part of why like the tagline of the book is never meet your idols because I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's, it's beautiful for me. And like, I love being able to like, imagine that like, you know, Harry is the like delightful woodland creature that (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. he is. And that if I met him, we would like, not even honestly, like that we would date, like just that we would be like, like soulmates in like a very pure sense, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and like that we would get along and that he'd want to be friends with me and that I would be like, you know, cash taxi with Harry Styles. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I don't want to know that that's not true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I do know that that's not true, right? Like, you know, and mm-hmm. so I, I'm like, I want to protect the fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my, yeah, I'm like, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I think it's really important to like, as long as you understand that the fantasy isn't real, mm-hmm. then you, then it's fantasy you know like yeah. again like we live in donald trump's america like let yourself oh have something God. beautiful yeah <laughs> let For harry sure. styles exist in your mind if he wants to be your best friend in your mind just let it happen like yeah like that is that is fine yeah <laughs> harry styles calling your senator with you please <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. there are worse coping mechanisms than yeah <laughs> 
exactly exactly that's my this is my one of my big yeah I'm just like I'm like everyone is trying to figure out how to be alive in a very like messed up like honestly often terrible world and if people are finding joy like you know in loving a boy band like Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic yeah yeah why we have to have a debate about that (laughs) I agree and I, I like this line I forget where it was in the in the book but I think it was, um, I think it was Grace who was maybe thinking to herself, she said, something can be real and not at all true. And I thought mm-hmm. that just held up so well with this idea that, like, even though these people that we imagine them to be or, like, think about who they are in their head might be quite far off from who they <laughs> actually are. And, and also you see that in fan fiction where, like, sort of, you know, the entire fan fiction community has, like, built these characters who get, you know sort of reinvented in different universes but very much have this sort of same tendencies but that were based off things that we saw from like the real one direction boys or whatever but that have been yeah. sort of become this entire character that was almost collectively written which i think is so cool um, yeah <laughs> but like even though they're not necessarily like true it doesn't mean that it's not real and it's not real to us and if we want to you know, hold Harry Styles in our head as someone who's, like, this really awesome, like, person who would write to your senators with you, even though that (laughs) might not be true and he's not into politics as we like to pretend he is. Like, it almost doesn't matter because it's a sort of a comforting, safe thing for someone to, like, imagine when they don't have, you know, maybe men in their lives who, like, treat them how they would like to imagine Harry Styles would treat them or imagine what a friendship with someone who is so much about equality would you know be like you know it almost it doesn't matter I would say in some sense yeah yeah no I think that's exactly I mean I think another way of saying it I mean yeah the real and not at all true um is also one of my favorite lines in the book um and something I think about a lot um especially as a writer of fiction (laughs) (laughs) but like um Oh, that like the, right, yeah, exactly, that your sort of fandom imagining of how a celebrity would be can be not at all true, but yeah, but the effects that it has on your life are very real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that so much of fandom is engaging with like, you know, fantasy and all this stuff, but like it, it very materially changes your life mm-hmm. um, in lots of ways, right? All the ways we've talked about in terms of like maybe getting you interested in politics or like informing you about politics, about mm-hmm. creating friendships, about exposing you to, um, you know, different kinds of ways of living in the world. And, you know, I definitely, I, oh, I mean, this is terrible actually, but like, so Taylor Hansen's favorite book or reported favorite book when we were teenagers was Ayn Rand's um, Atlas Shrugged. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> I read Atlas Shrugged when I was 13. <laughs> terrible, terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, but like, yeah, like, was that, was it true that that was his favorite book? I honestly doubt it. <laughs> Have I now read a bunch of Ayn Rand because of it? Like, yeah. that's incredible see that's like people miss that part of it like this just like the the connections that people make like through the podcast Karen and I talk about the people that we've met around the world we were like even we're doing this interview we're like literally interviewing an author today like we started this like fandom podcast and we're interviewing an author like that blows my mind so like and you know like you these things these things like start off somewhere just like just like with um in in the book where Grace wanted was interested in PR internships mm-hmm. and stuff where it started with mm-hmm. fandom and getting into that but it could become like a career for someone you know these things oh, yeah. are made real and friendships are real and 
the experiences you have, me wanting to go into mental health because I've read fan fictions, you know, these types of things, like, are part of our real lives, and they're, mm-hmm. they're real to us. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, um, exactly, <laughs> so, like, I agree. <laughs> Um, and then speaking also of the music, I love this quote that you said. I think it was near the end of the book. Uh, the, this, the music will always be full of herself. And I think this was Grace sort of talking about besides all sort of the, the actual members of the band and what she knows about them and what she doesn't know and all that. You can sort of step back and be like, we were also here just for the music. Like she loved Fever Dream and she loved their music. And that was something that she experienced for herself and has her own memories with and her own experiences with, which I just thought was like a really clarifying moment to be like, you know, you make your own memories with, and you've connected in this way that's very separate as well, just from the people who make the music. The music is kind of almost this separate thing. Yeah, like when she was having the moment in, in the concert and she just like completely, you know, like separated it from the relationship she was having with the actual band. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I know. I feel like um, I would just be like heartbroken if like something happened with One Direction that I had to like stop listening to their music. I don't know. I just <laughs> like, that would be like the one main thing. It's like if I met them in person and it didn't go perfectly exactly how I wanted to, and I would have to like step away from their music, I, I'd just be heartbroken. <laughs> Never meet your idols, man. This is what I'm saying. It's too important. It's way yeah. too important. There's too much riding on it, and they're done. They're people. They're just people like everyone else, and like it won't, you know. Yeah. No. I can't yeah. No. It. I. Yeah. I super super feel that. Yeah. That I mean, I, like, it's, it's funny. I never talk about this, but like for all, there's you know all of the stuff of like fandom and my, and my having written the book and like you know all of that. Like also, I have spent hours and hours and hours of my life just like walking around my neighborhood listening to One Direction, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and like that's right that's its own thing that there is yeah there is a level in which it's just like time spent with yourself um and like who you are and yeah what you want to listen to when you're alone like mm-hmm. <laughs> so like important and lovely um and I speaking of mental health I mean like I was super super depressed um directly before and after writing the book like the book was like a, a brief respite where I was sort of like mm-hmm. feeling better and sort of thought things were getting better and they weren't (laughs) and as soon as I was done with it I like sank right back into like being very depressed um and I I really spent a lot I mean speaking of your real life like I spent a lot of time feeling really hopeless and really terrified and sort of trying to find something to cling to that like made me feel better and like Mm -hmm. one one direction was one of those things Mm -hmm. yeah like that to me yeah like like, you want to talk about like real world consequences like at a time in my life when I like could not get excited about anything Mm -hmm. I could get a little excited about 1d and that was like Mm -hmm. you know it was honestly a blessing like it it, you know I'll I'll never yeah whatever else happens like those songs will always remind me of being at such a low moment and Mm -hmm. being like well okay there's a couple of things I still like one direction so (laughs) (laughs) one direction is my solid yes like you know that everything else seems just like very shitty and pointless but 1d seems good so like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep keep trucking (laughs) yeah I've had that literal exact experience I remember so distinctly in high school going to my first therapy appointment having up all night in my like headphones and just like I'm just yeah that's very real for me yeah yeah as a woman writer um, have you experienced sexism in terms of, you know, writing, publishing, finding editors, that type of stuff, roadblocks that maybe your male counterparts may not experience? I mean, 
Definitely as a writer of young adult literature, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, the third most maligned genre, I'd say like fan fiction and then romance and then young adult, like mm-hmm. in terms of things people don't take seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so then all combined. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like really, really quite something. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, it's continually really frustrating to me. Um, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really frustrating. Um, you know, especially I think the continued sort of like, I understand why there needs to be a division between literary fiction and YA. And I think it's really important. And like, I, I don't, you know, I always want YA to be a space for teens. And also I'm like, to write a good young adult book is just as hard, if not harder than writing like literary fiction for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is continually amazing to me how many people will like very dismissively be like, oh, you write young adult novels. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I write novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, Um it just it's frustrating yeah like all right you know the number of conversations I have with people where I'm like I write YA and they're like oh like Twilight and I'm like oh my god <laughs> not like Twilight <laughs> you know <laughs> people assume Twilight was easy to write it's not none of these books are easy yeah. to write um I will say that oh I'm very lucky though um in terms of being in YA that it's a very female dominated space I mean very dominated by white women mm-hmm. so like in that sense you know lucky for me and not lucky for many people and like mm-hmm. Hopefully, and and people are making moves towards more diversity in the genre. Um, but that within YA, I've had really lovely experiences. My editor is amazing, um, and like does such good work with me. My agent is my like amazing. Um, you know, I have friends who write YA. The YA community has been really really lovely. Um, but then the minute I step beyond that, to be reminded that people just like don't take me seriously from the get go is always mm-hmm. just like so frustrating, and especially frustrating also because I'm like. I could write literary fiction if I felt like it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I choose not to, I'm, I don't want to do something just because like, it means I'll get taken seriously, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's sort of in sort of the same way that like people will take Harry seriously now. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like earn your respect by like doing the only thing that you find respectable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to respect me because I goddamn deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, yeah. I yeah. saw I saw in a recent interview that you did in November, you were saying that you were writing a new book about a queer brown woman. And I was wondering if you were still writing that, if you wanted to tell us a bit about that, because we didn't get to talk about so much like the the sort of racism that you, you talked about in your book through Jess's character. Um, but like, is there any uh, interesting things about that or... or, or... Yeah, um, yeah. So that's hopefully going to be my third book. I haven't sold it yet. Um, so I'm still waiting. I mean, it hasn't gone to my editor yet. It's been a series of, there's a whole other conversation about like publishing as business, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I have a contract, I have a contractual thing that's just like holding me up, which I'm very annoyed about. Um, anyway, but I've written a draft of a third book, which is, um, about a girl who's famous on Snapchat, um, mm. and sort of right at the beginning of the book has accidentally outed herself, um, on Snapchat. She posted a picture of herself hooking up with a girl. Um, and not only that, she was cheating on her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like she's in this very, um, this place where she's just like gotten dumped and sort of like her whole life has been upended. And it's about her sort of trying to figure out what kind of a life she wants to have and then what kind of a life she wants to show on social media. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, I definitely, I felt like especially because so like Grace is a lot about a straight woman sort of like looking at and imagining queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, my first book, A Song to Take the World Apart, also has a straight female main character and a sort of like queer, a couple of queer male side characters um, who's sexual, who they're exploring their sexuality and she's sort of like not watching them, but like 
you know, not engage. Anyway, I felt like I'd written a lot about straight women sort of like looking at queerness and I, it was, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine. And like, now it's time to write mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the lived experience of queerness to the extent that I can, like as a straight person, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, it was very interesting to try and figure that out. Um, and I feel, I will say, I feel much more confident um, about the queer aspects of the book than I do about race. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the things, yeah, that was really, I went back and forth on making Jess um, non-white. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I just, it, it felt like, it felt useful to the character to me, ultimately. Like, I was like, some of the things that I understood about Jess and sort of who he was in a room felt like the kind of thing that would grow out of being someone who when you walk in a room, people like are automatically made uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, for reasons totally beyond your control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, how interesting would that be as a person who's always, because Jess like wants everyone to love him, you know, that like you've grown up sort of having this sense of like, oh, I have to be more charming, you know, more easygoing, whatever, all this stuff. And then to have that multiplied by being a person who walks mm-hmm. into a room and you're a celebrity and everybody, you know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that was important. Um, but again, like I, I felt like I, I don't know. I, I wanted to try. Um, I wanted to, to try and expand my horizons a little bit um, and my sort of empathetic and, and writerly imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the, the character in the book is um, Persian. She's an Iranian Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I grew up Jewish. I grew up surrounded by Iranian Jews in Los Angeles. So that felt, you know, in terms of writing about it from the perspective of a character of color felt, um, you know, like the thing I was closest to and felt like mm-hmm. the community that I was most responsible to. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of writing about diversity or writing diversely, like writing um, characters that have experiences that are different than yours, one of the most important things is um, to feel responsible to that community. You know, that mm-hmm. it's not like an abstract idea of like, I'm like, I'm going to like get all black people right. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, you know, or like I'm not going to get all Persian Jews right. But to be able to go to my Persian Jews, um, you know, my people and say, do you feel that I've done this justice? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that if, if the people in my life, in my community, can give me a go-ahead on that, then, mm-hmm. like, you know, that that's, I mean, that's as good as it can get, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so those are both identities also that I felt very much like, I was like, I know who my, like, sensitivity readers will be. I have close friends mm-hmm. who will tell me if I'm screwing up, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's really scary. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a really good way to approach it, though, because as we said, representation is so important, and we get to see that in fan fiction a lot, but like bringing it into, you know, young adult novels and, and sort of more mainstream stuff, um, and, and going about it in the best way that you can, you know, yeah. um, and like looking to to your friends to guide you, I think is, is really awesome and important. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess my last question would be, do you think you're going to keep writing about fandom culture and like, where do you think, uh, we need to go from here to sort of, you know, keep, uh, keep expanding fandom into something people can understand or, you know, I guess sort of the points of your novel and, and the things that you talked about in your book, um, how we keep, you know, the, the culture around fandom, what it is and making it better and making people understand it better and that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine right now, I don't plan on writing another novel about fandom. Um, it's possible that I will eventually, but I really, I mean, I, I love Grace so much and it, 
but I feel like it, I don't know. I just I feel like it like it says what I needed to say for you know mm-hmm. everything I have to say about fandom right now is in that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we'll see how that changes as I get older and hopefully have a long career as a writer. <laughs> um. But um. But I but I do but I will keep definitely because you know I I write books but I also write essays in journalism as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um. And I definitely want to keep writing about fandom in that mm-hmm. regard because mm-hmm. I. I do think that like. Um, the only way that it's going to the, the larger conversation around it is going to improve is if people who, you know, have experienced it are the ones writing about it. And I think mm-hmm. we're in a really amazing moment for that, like for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elizabeth Minkel, right. Is it like the, um, the new Republic and, uh, at the New Yorker and the guardian, like, you know, she's like been a fan of her whole life and like, she's, you know, writing this stuff. Like that's amazing. I think increasingly as people who've come of age in fandom and understanding the like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as there's, you know, mm-hmm. hunger for this conversation, that that's, that's going to be much more common. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I think the, the really interesting part of your question and the thing I don't have an answer for is then how to protect the really unique and lovely character of fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that like, you know, yeah, companies a hundred percent are like, Oh, how can we profit off of this? And mm-hmm. how can we, you know, market to fans and how can we get, fan- you know, I mean, right. This is like a whole other conversation, but Wattpad mm. is is doing amazing things in terms of like creating opportunities for fan writers to make money, which like I'll never, you know, reject. And also like it is commercializing, like, you know, what it has for such a long time been this lovely, like radical gift economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think, I hope that like at the end of the day, um, that impulse will persist. I mean, I know for me, like as someone who writes for a living, um, I really love having a distinction between what I write for free and what I get paid for, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because I, I really don't write for free almost at all anymore, but like I'm doing one week, one band um, for free because no one gets paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really happy. I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I love it. I support the blog. Like, I think they're so cool. Um, th- yeah. That, um, that there's real joy in mm-hmm. like just do just doing stuff for yeah for love of the game mm-hmm. um and I, I think that that will persist um but yeah I, th- I mean I think fandom has a lot of really interesting questions coming up for us yeah. um you know as, as a loose and sprawling collective in terms of you know what is and isn't fan fiction and and um you know what you know as much as we're yeah we're currently confronting all these blurry boundaries around um access and personality and persona and you know the effect that our fandom can have on the lives of celebrities mm-hmm. um and i think we're just we're about to be confronting a lot of really sticky um economic questions but you know but i think as we've talked about like the part of the joy of fandom is it's people who love to talk right yeah. and they love to just like go deep on stuff so mm-hmm. like i don't know I'm, I'm excited to read the meta <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fandom will always persist <laughs> Oh my god, fandom will always present. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, it just it feels like a universal constant to me, and yeah. that makes me very happy. Yeah. Very true. So true. I, I honestly don't know what my life would be without fandom. It has guided right? guided my life in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard same. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This has thank been so incredible to get to talk to the actual author of a book that we read and loved. <laughs> like, who knew that was ever possible? And uh, you have very, very nuanced opinions on fandom, which we always appreciate here, looking at all the different perspectives of things and 
of course, talking about One Direction is always uh, a must in our lives. So this has been, <laughs> this, this has been very, very great. Um, yeah, no, this was so fun. Thank you guys for having me on. Of course. Did you want to say where people can find you if they want to follow you on Twitter or Tumblr and find your other writing or like other books that you've written? Yeah. Um, so I am Zanopticon, Z-A-N-O-P-T-I-C-O-N, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Tumblr. Such a good username. I, the first time I saw that, I was like, impeccable. <laughs> Thank you. I got to I gotta give credit to my friend Grigor, who came, was my nickname. And, like, he called me that in college. And then when I was, like, I think setting up my Twitter account or something. And maybe it was my Tumblr first. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm very old. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, prop, props to Grigor and Azarian for that one. Um, Grigor also actually gets a shout-out, like, in Grace. They go to, like, Grigor's apartment to eat leftovers. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? That's so funny. Yeah. One of the best things about writing a book is you just like plop your friends in there. Like, <laughs> I kept thinking because Kara's name is Kara, obviously, and then yeah. you have the character Kara. I was like, oh, Kara's in the book. <laughs> um, Kara's the most beautiful one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Zanopticon, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Um, I have a website, zanromanoff.com. Uh, I'm the only Zan Romanoff, I think, really on the internet. So I'm I'm pretty Googleable. <laughs> Yeah, and I've Grace and the Fever is my second book. My first one is called A Song to Take the World Apart. It's also about a girl who's obsessed with a boy in a band. Um, but this one is uh, it's like a high school band. So it's a very different, you know, kind of a story. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, I love to chat. Like, do at me on Twitter. <laughs> Please say hi. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again so, so much for coming. This has been a really cool experience for us, too. Uh, first author we've ever interviewed <laughs> so this has been really cool and uh, we will definitely be keeping up with you on Twitter and I can't wait to see what you do with your next book and, and keeping up with all your articles and the one band thing that seems really cool I was going to say um, yeah check out one week one band I'll be yeah, writing about sure. hairstyles all week definitely um, my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, well yeah. I hope you have a good 4th of July weekend and um, you had just have a just have a good luck with all your stuff, and I'm excited to read your more Harry Harry Styles content and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And looking forward to the Louis song coming out July yes. 21st. Yes, oh my god, yes. Along with Dunkirk, oh. that's going to be crazy. It's going to be a crazy weekend, you guys. It's going to be cool. so much stuff all at once. But I'm excited. I'm like, I got to go back to bed. I got to prepare. <laughs> yeah, let me Honestly. sleep for like two weeks straight, and then I'll wake up for the Dunkirk premiere and the Louis <laughs> dropping his song. Yeah, truly. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> We will talk to you on Twitter awesome. and stay in contact. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, no, sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Okay, so that was our interview with Zan. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. She was so super nice. Uh, we can't say that enough. And I know. We hope to keep in touch with her on, on social media and stuff. And if her next book comes out, I would love to talk to her again because it sounds so cool as well. Mm -hmm. Um. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what you guys think of everything we talked about because we talked about a lot of things that like are not just related to the book, but just like fandom culture in general. So like these are big conversation topics and a lot of them are sort of gray areas and like trying to figure out, you know, how, how to be in fandom, how to like what fandom means, how it's positive, what are the downsides, how to improve fandom culture, all that type of stuff. We'd love to hear what you guys think um, and talking about feminism and fandom as well. Um, 
you guys are always so articulate online and when you guys tweet us and stuff. Um, so maybe we could do a back to you segment um, mm. next episode where you guys sort of comment on the things we talked about um, because I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, anything else too? Um, I think next episode we're going to be talking about the Louis article and we're going to be doing a song discussion, the first song discussion from Harry's album. So it is very exciting. Yes, I'm so excited as well. I'm going to be planning the episode today, I think, so I can just like get it out of the way. (laughs) Um, Not get it out of the way, but like have a head start on it because often these things get like left to like the day before we record and I'm like, I got to do the episode. Ah, Um, So I'm excited to start planning that today. Um, So let us know what you think of all this. Thank you so much for listening to episode 103 of Talk Direction. You can go follow us on Twitter at talk underscore direction. You can email us at talkdirection at gmail.com. You can go to our Tumblr, which is talkdirection.tumblr.com. Our Instagram, which is talkdirection. I am at Caitlin I.R. Foster on Twitter, and Caitlin is spelled C-A-I-T-L-I-N. And Kara, where can they find you? I am Kara underscore pond, and Kara is with a C. And also, definitely go follow us on Instagram, because I've been using the Instagram stories a lot. Yeah. Um, and I've been documenting um, the foster cats that I'm fostering, um, so that's fun. Yeah. I'm cutting one right now, actually. Amy's in my bed. She's Aww. chilling. I want to do an Instagram live again. I like those yeah. videos. They're fun. Um. Also, you can head over to patreon.com slash talkdirection for tons of bonus content, videos, blogs, um, extra half hour of the episodes. We do Talk Direction Down Low, which is just an extra half hour of podcast content every single episode. Um, so that will be coming out in a couple days and a whole bunch of other stuff. And also remember, we're doing the advice episode. So let us know what your advice questions are. Any other questions you have for us, send them in. It could be really about anything. Mm-hmm. We are very Literally flexible. Anything. Harry Potter to relationships to school to, you know, cloud shapes. I don't know. Yes. Um, <laughs> send us those in. Um, what else? Oh, and you can rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. Um, send us a review. Um, those are always fun to read. You can also uh, follow us on SoundCloud if that is uh, the system for you. <laughs> I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kara. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time for episode 104. Bye! Bye. Bye.